hello. Welcome to uh, Downstage with Brian Hayden. Uh, I am always Brian M. Davis. Uh, across, I was about to say across from me, but, uh, well, technically speaking, he is across from me, so he's a camera across from me. Uh, my partner in crime, Hayden Loomis. Uh, Hayden, how was your week? Oh, it was good, um, actually, uh, because, as some of you know, we didn't uh, record an episode last week because... Uh, we took that off because. <laughs> oh, she's back. <laughs> what is up with you? What is up with you today, Sophie? So, it's like I, I, I heard it. I knew it was coming over, and I'm like, okay. Let's just. Uh, how about you tell everyone your weekend first, and then we'll get to me. All right. So. Um... My week was kind of blasé. Um, I've been having a lot of trouble with uh, writing and stuff like that, too. But I've been working it out. Uh, Monday was just not the best of days for me. Uh, but over the weekend, like you, I uh, saw the Batman. And, I, you know, I have the same feelings as you do probably with the Batman. But you got to start. You got to see it first because the Batman had a fan screen that you kind of went to and... And I, it was like, you only gave me like one spoiler before we, I, like I went to see the movie. It's like, it, you kind of like mentioned it was like a true cape and cowl detective movie or something like that. And I was just like, yeah, I was just like, <laughs> no, I was like, no spoilers, man. I just want to go into it. Like, I mean, I wouldn't even call that a spoiler. I would just say that's just going off of what already we've been seeing from the trailers anyway. Yeah, and what, and, what, and what the filmmakers and actors themselves have said in interviews about the movie. Yeah, but it's definitely uh, it was definitely an experience for me. So I haven't had those type of I haven't had that type of experience to a comic film in like in a while. Like Avengers Endgame, that wasn't an experience for me. That was like uh, like like the closing chapter to a book that I'm trying mm-hmm. to finish. And I've been reading it all summer. Uh, the Batman was an experience for me because it was like the, the like the first. I mean, one of the few movies that actually felt like a experience just just going to the theater, sitting in the theater, watching the movie, and then coming out of the theater going, oh, "Wow, that was a movie that I uh, that I felt to my core." <laughs> To my soul. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I enjoyed the movie very greatly. Uh, the only problem I already, I, I have, the only gripes I have is that there was a lot of whispering in that movie. So, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm fine with whispering, but like nine times out of ten, I'm just like, wait, what? Come again? Damn, it's like they they should really start to speaking more loudly. Uh, I'm just kind of glad that when Paul Dano uh, decides to ham it up as Darilla, I'm just like, oh, thank you. <laughs> Finally, someone who decide who understands the assignment and actually who actually doesn't whisper. I mean, I mean, I think you must have had a bad theater because like <laughs> I I heard everything perfectly fine. I mean, I mean, I went to a Regal, so like a Regal oh, well. experience. What? I mean, it, it, Regals are kind of, well, the, the Regals I've been to down here are never the best. 
So ah, uh, that's mean, why I'm kind of like, oh, that's got to be it. I mean, it was pretty loud for the most part, but I mean, yeah, I, I might go and see it again this weekend. I, I might not. I might just wait until it becomes on HBO Max and you know watch it from there because. I mean, going inside a Regal Theater and just and just like almost like laying down on the <laughs> the recliner seats, I'm just like, yeah, I might not get up. <laughs> it's like you just end up falling asleep by the end of the movie because you're just like, well, I'm already lying down. Yep, yep, yep. But and also, you know, the it also reclines too, so that's even funner. So, <laughs> but yeah, uh, Hayden. Uh, uh, yeah, how was your week uh, aside from uh, with the Batman and also we do the the weekly readings for his uh, po- uh, I was about to say podcast uh, his show Kinetic. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. So aside from that, it's been a uh, pretty chill for the most part. Um, and actually, I just want to quickly say what you're talking about with like you know like um, writing too, because like there've definitely been times where like like I just won't have the like mental headspace. To just, yeah. like, you know, put my fingers to the keyboard and write something down. And it's like, and you know, that's okay. Sometimes you have to kind of just, like, take a break, kind of, you know, take a little bit of space from it. Because if you try to create when you're not in that headspace, you're just not actually going to get any yeah. more productive. So then it's like you just come back to it when you are in a better, you know, mindset. Yeah, and a lot of it that I do is, is I write with my friends, and my friends are, are going through a lot of, like, emotions with their own mental health and I'm just like I just can't write with my friend I just can't seem to write if I'm not writing with my friends and I am writing my friends mm-hmm. like that's when a lot of the criteria 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 creativity creativity there we go just comes like pouring out and stuff like that too and yeah it, it definitely felt like aside from the Batman like this whole week has just been very blah like type of blase type of like week for me mm-hmm. and totally understand that and and yeah like uh for me it's been um overall just a you know uneventful week aside from of course seeing the batman at a uh, fan first premiere screening on uh, last tuesday i was going to see it on the opening weekend and then unfortunately you know stuff in life just unfortunately didn't really allow me the chance to do that again, but I am going to go and see it uh, sometime next week with a friend because we've been chatting about uh, seeing it. So I am going to now get to see it twice, which was my plan to do originally in the first place. So, yay. It's now, just now on opening weekend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, in a sense, I you know, got to see it before opening weekend, and that's something yeah. I've never gotten to do with a movie. So, you know, that I, I, you know, I think that's still, you know. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, yeah. Uh... And, and, yeah, so... Um, uh, speaking of Batman, we might be talking spoilers. We might not. We might not be talking spoilers, but it, it is going to be both a spoiler-free, but also a spoilish discussion. You know, depending on you know certain uh, certain characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, uh, I, I was definitely blown away with uh, Pattinson's Batman because he definitely reminded me a lot of both Keaton. Kilmer and a little bit of Bale in his uh uh both Bruce Wayne-ness and uh Batman-ness. Mm-hmm. Well, in his Batman-ness is like a t- uh, like a whole different uh 
beast on himself. But when he's playing Bruce Wayne, he was just like a mixture of Keaton, Bale, and uh, Kilmer for me. Hmm. And Kilmer and Kilmer's bat and Kilmer's uh, Bruce Wayne was like really a public figure. And when Bruce has to be a public fi- uh, figure in the movie, he's just like he's like he doesn't want to accept that fact, and he has to really slowly. Hmm. Accept that fact. Yeah, it's like it's like it's like it, it's like the movie shows what the toll of like him just being the Batman takes on him trying to also be Bruce Wayne because that's also just been a great you know kind of like uh, I don't know what you call it dichotomy or just a great balance that he has to always try and find that. Yeah, they kind of generally shown sometimes in the movie. Sometimes they kind of do it more, but then I feel like this one actually is the best representation of where. He's at now. He's in his second year of doing this. We see how truly obsessed he is with being the Batman. It's like you see in the trailers, like he just says he doesn't care what happens to him because to him, the mission, you know, trying to, you know, save Gotham, stop all, you know, all the criminals and stuff like that. That is just so more important to him that even when he is Bruce Wayne, it, it perfectly shows that to him, Bruce Wayne feels like that is the mask. Like yeah. when they uh, showed the funeral scene as like uh, kind of like a promotional teaser or something like, yeah. you know, something to that effect um, before the movie came out. It's like you can just looking at him the way he's like kind of looking around. He doesn't look like Bruce Wayne. He looks like Batman having to wear a Bruce Wayne mask because he yeah. doesn't because he doesn't see himself as Bruce Wayne anymore. Yeah. He did, and it was like and you, that's, yeah. you just feel that that uh, like I just can't fit in like that nature that um Keaton has because Keaton's Batman. I mean, well, Keaton's Bruce. It's like, like he can fit in, but he just can't really fit in with the normality of you know fitting in with other you know elitists and stuff like that too. And you know, there's a great beat where it's like he's you know the mayor, uh, well, not the mayor, but the mayor, uh, the woman running for mayor. She just like she like hunts him down. I'm not like hunts him down like well. Like. No, 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 actually, not even. She literally just walks up to him while they're at a funeral for the man, for like hey, you know, you know, just like, great, you know, just be a great time as I can. Can you endorse my you know my uh, like like and, and I'm just like there's a time and place, lady, for all of this. And but then also to be fair, it's like literally as she says, I've been trying to find you, dude. This is literally the first time you've actually like been out in public somewhere. Yeah, but they always I, say you're unavailable. Yeah, I was like, and I like the the little notion of uh, Bruce really unable to go to these meetings, so they have to bring the meetings to him. And, and, he, and, and this is so great too. It's like even when they bring the meetings to him, we never see the meeting in the first place because it's just he's too upset with being Batman anyway. It's like, did the meeting even happen? Or did he just bail on another meeting? And I don't even think that's much of a spoiler, to be honest. I think it should also it's just be expected probably, at this point. I mean, there is probably going to be deleted scenes in the Batman or maybe an extended cut that's like maybe five hours long. And you just probably see like those extended meetings where it's just like he's probably in the meeting, but he's like he's just like. Just looking out a window zoned out. Or like Bale. Bale isn't just like sleeping. It was like. I mean, I mean, I, no, I, 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 no, honestly, actually, I think it would be something more like he's just looking out at the city of Gotham because yeah. that's his inner bat. That's his Batman side. Just wanting to just like jump out that window and just like go fight some crimes. Cause like he would like, maybe it'd be like, he's in a meeting. He's trying to blend in. He hears a siren 
And then we see, and then the camera follows him as he kind of turns, and then we kind of get the slow zoom as he just kind of just starts looking out the window. Camera slowly zooming out onto the, you know, the, the skyline of Gotham. And then eventually he's like, huh? Oh, uh, what, what, this meeting? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I could definitely see that, especially because, you know, they're, they're, like, I love the idea of this movie really treating the, the quality of, being Bruce Wayne and Batman, where past movies have failed. I mean, they, I mean, yeah, past movies have failed the idea of Batman and Bruce Wayne being the same mm-hmm. person, but not many mo- movies have done Batman essentially wearing Bruce Wayne's this, you know face as a mask. You know? Yeah, like because like in a way you do kind of get that with Keaton, but at the same yeah. time it doesn't feel like there's something at risk when he's trying to be one over the other. Yeah, because. And- it's that, like the like the two movies he's Keaton is in. It just feels like it it doesn't matter that like his Bruce is essentially a shut in because no one seems to really call him out on it. It just seems to yeah. have no difference. And then you take Chris Christian Bale's take on it, where Christopher Nolan clearly was more interested in Bruce Wayne than Batman, yeah. because even when you know we see Batman, it never actually felt like Batman. It felt just like Bruce Wayne wearing the mask instead of. The idea that Bruce Wayne himself is the mask and it's the Batman who is his real, who has become this real true self that he actually sees himself as. Yeah. And really wants to be. And with Schumacher, it's like he kind of like almost balances us out with, uh, I mean, forever. I mean, does Schumacher even know, know what he wanted in the first place with actually, it? Like, Actually, yeah, I think he did. It's just that he had a lot of interference with uh, executive things, wanting it to be more of a a toy-friendly thing, and he kind of, like, had to do it. But if you watch Forever, you kind of notice that there are, like, bits and pieces of of Bruce Wayne being a, to- or a tortured person. And, of course, it kind of really – you can't really tell because it's all – you know, But that's the thing, though. It's like – that's kind of something that has to come with the character already anyway. Yeah. Just because, just like, so just because you're showing he's a tortured character, we already have that established. Because if this is supposed to take place, say, after Batman Returns, that's already two movies where we already see that this is a tortured guy. We already know he's a tortured guy. Yeah. So just because you're, so yeah, just because you understand this as well, that doesn't mean great for you. It means, no, you, understood that, yeah, this just is who the character is, so you're just maintaining the consistency of what the character is supposed to be anyway. Yeah, but I think, yeah, I think this is, like, the first film that really does uh, handle the quality of being both Bruce Wayne and Batman at the same time, where you kind of see Bruce wanting just to be Batman all the time, and Alfred having to call out his bullshit and just saying, hey, you know... There's a time and place to be Batman, but there's also a time and place to be Bruce Wayne. And right now, the city needs Bruce Wayne because there's a lot more things happening in the city that Batman can't solve as, you know, Batman, but Bruce Wayne can solve as being Bruce Wayne. Exactly. And I, and, that, and his choice to be Batman and to let his Bruce Wayne just hang on the sidelines for so long. Like, hopefully I'm not spoiling too much, but let's just say after everything is said and done in the movie and because... It, because Rob Pattinson signed a deal to do like two more movies, so it's clearly going to do a trilogy. Like yeah. it's very obviously going to do a trilogy with how successful this movie is. So yeah. it's very clear that like they're already kind of setting up that like where they're going to go with the next one. 
that he's really going to now have to reckon with the fact that like he has spent too much time being Batman and he now has to find a way to balance out being Bruce Wayne in the public while also trying to be Batman because he, because both are needed. He can't just be one over the other. Which I, you know, which actually is a great thing because he kind of noticed it in, 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 in the end. Well, I wouldn't say in the ending, but you kind of mm-hmm. notice it. Well, yeah, what you just said with the ending, mm-hmm. but you know, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, in the second movie, you know, they do give Bruce Wayne like the love interest where it's like, will she find out that he is the Batman and will, you know, will it, you know, carry over where it's like previous movies where the, the female lead kind of like learns about him being the Batman. And then the next movie, she's got right on. She's like, mm-hmm. Vicky Bale, who's that? Well, you know, mm-hmm. you're the one who led Vicky Bale into the Batcave. So it's like, you know, they kind of like, yeah, it definitely gives the impression that Matt Reeves knows where to go with the next in the character, mm-hmm. and he knows how to handle the next portion of what I was going to say, which mm-hmm. is essentially the villain. Mm-hmm. You know, I never actually seen. I mean, I've seen the Riddler, right? You know, I've, I've seen. The, we all seen the Riddler before. You know? We 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 all seen that one particular version of the Riddler for sure. <laughs> yeah, uh, but. There's also the Riddler from the, the Arkham games. There's also Riddler from uh, Gotham. There's also Riddler from the cartoon. Riddler from the, the TV show from the, the 60s, where it's just like... And as I'm watching the movie, it's like, you know, Reeves really understands how to give depth to the Riddler. Mm-hmm. Just the villain in general, because... I don't know if this is a spoiler, but I mean, I mean, Carmine Falcone is in the movie, so you kind of like know, you kind of, if you know the comics, you kind of know that he is another bad guy. So mm-hmm. it's fun to watch a movie that gives both depth to both the main villain and sort of like a side villain mm-hmm. at the same time, where it's just like the penguin, oh, you know, all oh, penguins are here, but he's not really a villain. I mean, he's not like a, a big villain per se. He's sort of like the. Yeah. Like he, like he's still kind of, like he's still working up to being a big villain. Yeah, but he's also like, uh, like I was about to say, middle management for. Uh, well, yeah, he is. He kind of he, is in a way, yeah. Yeah, he is middle management for Falcone, but Falcone is more treated as more like a, a legitimate villain in this movie compared to say, you know, uh, Batman Begins, where he is just like this almost, uh, one noted mobster who owns essentially, uh. The, uh, the the slums of Gotham or whatever, and it's just like compared, and then, and then it's like, oh well, okay, now we're done with them. Moving on, yeah, you know, compared to say, uh, yeah, compared to say to Jack uh, Palance in the first Batman movie, where he, where um, Carl Grissom was really the same, like one nerd. Oh, Carl Grissom, he owns this part of Gotham. You know, like he, he you know he controls Gotham from this point. And it's like, and of course, like the same thing with the the Penguin and Joker, where it's just like, oh, the Joker, Jack Napier, he just happens to be middle management for, um, uh, for, for, for like this, you know, person. this notorious crime boss person. Yeah. But, you know, in, in, in this movie, you actually feel that Falcone really does have his hand on Gotham and the, and his, um, Pain, it's really on the heartbeat of Gotham, so it's, oh, like, yeah. it's like it's like legitimately terrifying. And when I heard John, uh, you know, to, you know, Totoro playing it, like oh, John Totoro as Carmine Falcone, I'm like yeah, it'll probably be well with the character. But the moment mm-hmm. I saw him on the screen, I'm like oh wow, this guy, like, this guy's great. This guy gets it. <laughs> like he actually gets it. 
He does. And honestly, it, it was so amazing seeing him because it's like what the last things I honestly do remember seeing him in were those Transformers movies. Yeah. And it's such a night and day difference in oh. terms of like his oh, acting yeah. performance. And it's just it's amazing to see that. People forget that John Turturro is an amazing actor, exceptional actor. But when he's like uh, when he gets regated, yeah, regated to roles like Transformers or the comedic character, something like that, and he's kind of like really plays off the the comedic, like his comedic nature. You kind of like forget, oh, you know, like like you kind of forget like this guy could actually seriously act. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and funny enough, it's like, like you're saying this comedic nature. He actually knows how to use it perfectly well in this movie while still also making himself come off as this guy who isn't really afraid of anyone because he knows he is in control so he can do what he wants. Like, funny enough, like we were saying earlier with the whole, like, you know, Bruce Wayne Batman thing. Yeah. He is like that public face who doesn't have to worry about anything because he knows his secrets are essentially under lock and key protected. Yeah, and it kind of goes right into sort of like uh, the two ba- the other two Batman uh, villains in this uh the other two Batman villains, you know, with Riddler, like the Riddler I feel was very fleshed out where it's just like it really does feel like if the Riddler was around today, he would be sort of portrayed as sort of like a terrorist. Mhm. With uh, some following, but at the same time, he would also bring upon his like wicked intellect into the frame of thing. Is like if he is punishing people for their sins or what have you. Mm-hmm. Of course, you know, you know, Arkham games kind of like made him into like a very jigsaw s type of killer, uh, killer which has mm-hmm. been around for the Riddler in terms of, uh, you know, I, I think probably since. 2000 or so, or, or at least since 2000, where he sort of like sorted, I mean, he started to put traps into his like uh, riddles and stuff like that, too. Is where it's just like, oh, Batman, like he brings out some riddle, and at the same time, there's like a death trap that's like with the, the walls just start closing in. It's like, answer this mm-hmm. riddle, the time runs out, blah, blah, mm-hmm. and then it runs away. Yeah, and, and, and interesting, too, is, like, you're saying that, because, like, in the three main Arkham games, like, you know, Asylum City and uh, Knight, all of his riddles are all to basically just, like, try to prove to himself, essentially, and also just everyone else that he is the smartest person. But then yeah. go back and play Arkham Origins, and the way he acts there is actually similar in a lot of ways to what we see in this movie. Because oh, yeah. he Because he is trying to say, like... Oh, well, look, I'm just, you know, uprooting all this corruption stuff. And that was actually something I love seeing in this movie because, like, Arkham Origins is year two, this is year two, and I'm watching that movie, and I'm seeing so many parallels from Arkham Origins in this movie in such a fantastic way. Yeah, and it definitely feels like, hey, you know, uh, there. I mean, there is a lot of Arkhamness. I mean, Arkham games in mm-hmm. this uh, – in this – like, if you want to see the Arkham Batman fight, you watch essentially uh, Ben Affleck's Batman. Specifically mm-hmm. in, well, probably the only scene that really does show that is the warehouse scene. But mm-hmm. if you want to see the Arkham Batman do his detective shit, you watch mm-hmm. the Batman. Because that's, oh. like, that's how I felt like watching this movie. Like, I, I, like, I half expected him to go like, alright, detective mode activated and all that stuff. <laughs> and I'm just like, Okay, yeah, that this does feel like that. Um, but yeah, and you can see they're kind of building up that whole detective vision thing because, like, um, 
almost spoil too much, but like they pulled something from the New 52 comics that I absolutely loved that they introduced as one of his back gadgets. Because they, because the way they show it too in the, in the beginning, like 20, 30 minutes, it's like, this is actually perfect because he would use this gadget like this and also use it as a way to help himself improve as well. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I, there is a great moment where Batman is at a crime scene and it's basically the first crime scene. And he's looking around. He, he grabs one of the books, and <laughs> and one of the cops goes, "Jim, you gotta let him do this." And and Gordon Ralph missing be going, "He's wearing gloves. He's wearing gloves. <laughs> he's wearing gloves. Like exactly. Like, but 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 I love that too because everyone is just so uncomfortable. All these cops are so uncomfortable around the Batman for like a myriad of reasons. Because one. They're corrupt. They don't want him hanging around. Or two, yeah. they're they're also they're the ones who are the good cops, and they're like, this doesn't feel right, though. I mean, this isn't how, how we're supposed to do the job. I mean, are, is this okay? Yeah, but in terms of the villains, and I'm not gonna, and I haven't spoken of the penguin yet because it, like the penguin kind of like, is a villain, but he's sort of like in the supporting cast. So no, yeah, he, he's like he's like a villain, but he's also a supporting it like he's still like he's still at that kind of henchman, but higher higher level henchman kind of like, villain. I get to the supporting kids in a couple of seconds, especially especially in terms of what I liked. Uh, like, but in terms of the villains, the main two villains, Falcone and the Riddler, I felt was handled perfectly. Just mm-hmm. because it's like there's literally like the, the night and day of of Falcone's actions, kind of like essentially birthing. And this isn't really. A big spoiler, but it's basically the actions of a lot of things birthing the birth of the Riddler, and the Riddler basically essentially taking his plight into his form of action, into the, the main thing. Because, I mean, th- there's a lot of stuff I want to talk about the Batman, but at the same time, it is got, it will go into a whole basically spoiler thing, and we got other talk, other things to talk about on this on this episode. So, we yeah, got, and and, and, and like and like, yeah, there are quick things I just want to quickly say. Just yeah. kind of quickly say, and then we can just move on. So I'll try to be very quick with this. So opening scene, absolutely fantastic. It's it, it's what exactly should happen to the Batman movie. The um the runtime doesn't actually feel like three hours at all. I'm watching it because yeah. like it does a good job keeping you engaged. People complained about that. They should shut up because they went and watched Endgame, like no doubt. So shut yeah. up, people who are complaining about that because you're hypocrites. Right. Avatar, or Gone exactly, with, Gone with the Wind, or uh, Ben Hur, or anyway. <laughs> yeah, I'll just start. Wait, wait. Random, I'm just listing off random movies that have very long runtimes. Long exactly. exactly. Yeah, but yeah. I think what really makes this movie stand out to me as one of the best live-action Batman movies is the fact that it actually feels like it is the most inspired from so many different great oh, Batman yes. comic book stories and utilized in such a fantastic way to tell a honestly compelling and topical story too. Oh yeah. That, uh, that, that we never have actually, actually gotten to see for a Batman movie in such a long time for live action. I mean, the dark Knight rises tries to do a topical thing, but at the same time, it, it, and this is what it, we were talking it, about before it, is that, and, and, and this will go into the sort of like the next thing where, I may as well just start with the supporting cast. Like we, we really do need to talk about Zoe Kravitz's uh, mm-hmm. Selena Kyle Catwoman. Well, I'm I'm sorry, uh, she's just Selena Kyle. She's not really 
Catwoman right I, I mean I technically I think she's credited as Catwoman because we all because I think we all know she's Catwoman so I think it's fine to call her Catwoman anyway <laughs> also I love that you caught on to my way to get you to segue to this yes thank you <laughs> but uh yeah I mean, one of the biggest stories that came out during the Batman uh this past weekend was the fact that Joey Kravitz she mentioned that she auditioned for the uh, for uh, maybe a role as Selena Kyle or maybe as Selena Kyle's friend or at least some role in The Dark Knight Rises, but casting said that she was too quote unquote urban for the movie. And we were right before we started recording, we actually had this discussion. It's like, you know, Nolan is a amazing, masterful director, but characterize. Especially when it comes to women, he really can't really write women. He can't really write women, and when he does, ha- and especially if it's a um, uh, a person of color, especially in a, a, you know, especially if it's a person of color in the cast, it's not really written in a way that's like really written memorably. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, like you brought out the great uh, point with Tenet, mm-hmm. where. John David uh, Washington's character, the protagonist, like literally, is called a protagonist. Yep. Like we watch the credits. That's all these. That's what his name is. Just protagonist. And there's no real name. There's no. He's just basically a blank slate. Mm-hmm. I mean, it kind of works in the movie of the ten uh, of ten, but then again, I haven't really watched Tenet at all. But I mean, but but that's the thing, though. Yeah, it can it could work for the movie, but at the same time, it does also bring to light his Nolan's kind of problems in trying to write, you know, certain characters that he clearly doesn't know how to write for. Yeah. And, you know, uh, it's, it's like also what I was saying too, because it's like his character is just that like bland, like, stale. Like, yeah. It's like, basically it's your, um, like it's your playable character in Skyrim where you have some dialogue choices and depending on what you're doing in Skyrim, a lot of those choices are just very standard and basic. Yeah. With the only exception being whenever you do something for the Dark Brotherhood. The only time I remember him actually writing a female character that actually felt memorable was probably maybe Murphy in, I was about to say Inception, uh, Interstellar. Mm. Murphy, Interstellar. Where yeah. I think it's because, it was probably because of the casting of... Uh, I forgot the, the the child actress, but mm-hmm. it was the casting of the child actress, and it was also Jessica Chastain as Murph, specifically the older Murph. Mm-hmm. And I forgot who played the older actress for uh, Murph, but it was like that's like the only character I remember outside of any other movies where it wasn't like a, where a Batman movie where he written a very memorable woman a woman character like in. But yeah, uh, it's just- and also funny enough, you bring that up too because what is that character's objective through the entirety of that movie? It to- all comes back to the dad. Yeah, which and- which is also the white male protagonist character. Yeah, and yeah, like I, I honestly do agree that you know there is a uh, problem with uh, Nolan's way of writing characters. You know, uh, you know. Nine times out of ten, if you watch a Christopher Nolan movie, there's probably no black or 
female characters. It is mostly just a white character, or if there is a female character in the thing, they usually either are so minute in in terms of the, in the writing, where it's just like you could literally just like flick the character away, and you probably wouldn't even notice, you know, the character was even gone. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, like I remember. When the Prestige came out, there was this whole big thing where, oh man, it's like it's Hugh Jackman, Christian Bale, Michael Caine, Scarlett Johansson, David Bowie. And I'm like, wait, 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 Scarlett Johansson's in the movie? Oh man, it's like ah, I can't and, wait to see. Oh, start. and Jessica Alba. Jessica. Oh, no, 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 that was another movie. No, no, because I think there were because I remember there was like um, Christian Bale's character. Um, There's like two women in his life because spoiler for Prestige, one <laughs> of the Christian Bale twins was sleeping with one woman. And then the other one was married to another woman. And because of the fact that they're twins, there's kind of this whole, like, wait, is he cheating on his wife or what? What's going on? I think it was Jessica Alba. No, no, no. Uh, okay, I'm, I got to look this up. It's going to bug me if I don't. <laughs> Who you're thinking of is The Illusionist with, with, uh, with Edward Norton and Jessica Biel. You're probably thinking The Illusionist because both movies actually came out around the same time. And both movies having to deal with magical, uh, with magicians being, uh, quote, uh, with, uh, man, you know, magicians being like, quote unquote, uh, being in trouble with the law and whatnot. Okay. Under, uh, Illusionist is, is a severely underrated movie, by the way. Uh, but anyway. Oh, okay, 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 I, yeah. So I, I remember, think, yeah. I remember when The Prestige was coming out, I was like, oh, Hugh Jackman, Christian Bale, Michael, Ka- sure, Michael Caine, David Bowie. Scarlett Johansson, I'm like, oh, man, I can't wait to see what they have with Scarlett Johansson. And she's kind of, like, negated to the sideline as sort of, as basically the um, the, the female helper. And mm-hmm. I'm literally trying to remember what if she had any big moments in the thing. And, like, I kind of remember a couple big moments, but it wasn't really that big. Where it was just, like, she might have been one of the – I remember her and Hugh Jackman having, like, some sort of chemistry in the movie, some sort of romance. But I don't remember if there was any big – I mean – thing big from that thing mm-hmm. but yeah it, it, Kravis's comments right really does put a uh, a notion of oh there, there's definitely some there's definitely problems with uh, um, Christopher Nolan uh, at least in you know Christopher Nolan writing essentially women characters or just writing characters in general where mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like they actually are like it, it literally just said before where it's like they are, they actually do feel like they're kind of like pre-programmed characters that really do fill the role of what I'm doing in the story. Exactly. It's like, okay, now you're here. So now I can actually find a way to move the plot to get to the next point so we can keep everything moving. Uh, but yeah, going into Kravis's uh, Selena Kyle, though, mm-hmm. now that we talked about, you know, the problem of Christopher Nolan with stuff and brought that out first, Kravitz as Selena Kyle was amazing. You know, the moment Absolutely. she like the moment she got out on screen, I'm like, I was like, who is this woman? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, uh, <laughs> it's literally like, uh, like uh, the 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 meme of Rosa from uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine, where goes, she goes, I only had a uh, blank for a day and a half, but if anybody tries to take it, I'll kill her, kill them and kill myself. It's <laughs> not like that, but it's like Kravitz's Selena Kyle, she's like, she actually felt like 
someone who has been in the Gotham slums and been slumming in the Gotham slums for like maybe for a better part of her life. And mm-hmm. it definitely felt like she understood the, the character to a point where, where I was even worried about, you know, how they were portraying her in a fight. It was like, I noticed like, Oh, it was like, even, even I know it's like, Oh, even though Catwoman has claws in, in, in the comics, like they have her nails like followed up to a certain way where it does actually feel like, Oh, she has like nails mm-hmm. that are just like claw, you know, like claws. Mm-hmm. Like she could yeah. actually scratch someone pretty good with it. Yeah. And I'm just like, but, but from a writing standpoint, she actually did feel like Selena Cowell, you know, like ripped from the comics. Whereas exactly. And that's really hard to do because the last time we have Selena Cowell on screen, was Anne Hathaway again? It goes back to um, Nolan and writing, you know, writing female characters, and and, and, and then and, and then mean, also I, just I to kind of like I can't really say that you know, Sonny Kyle and Dark Knight Rises wasn't proactive. She is proactive, but but she doesn't also feel like Catwoman too. I, no, I yeah. I'm watching the film. It just just feels like just another character for the sake of having a character kind of advance the plot forward instead of her actually being Catwoman with her own objectives. I mean, and she, and they play her more like a femme fatale anyway, so. Mm-hmm. I mean, and Catwoman is a femme fatale, but that's really not part of her character. Like, like, that, just, like that's just one facet, because she is a yeah. much more nuanced character, and if you ask someone who knows how to flesh it out, boom, you're going to get this amazing character, which we got with, you know, Matt Reeves' The Batman. Yeah. And, um, and we got to see that through Zoe Kravitz, who... Uh, was honestly perfect for this role because she does embody that character perfectly well, and she yeah, delivers all of that nuance. Yeah, that's it's like it, uh, like the moment I read it is like, oh, I really hope that it's not like portrayed like uh, uh like Catwoman in uh, Dark Knight Rises, where they kind of play her off as like a femme fatale type of thing, and she's and she's just starting as a as a thief and stuff like that too, where it's just like, but anyway, and, 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 and also like, because we've been comparing Batman to all the other Batman. And we definitely have to address this um, particular elf in the room kind of thing. So, you know, everyone's going to compare Zoe Kravitz's Catwoman to Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman. Personally, I think because those comparisons have, have been made before. And I think that's, it's incredibly an unfair kind of comparison because it's also for the same reasons why I don't like comparing Robert Pattinson's Batman to some of the other Batman, because they don't actually feel like the character we know from the comics. Because it's like Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman, yes, I get it, everyone reveres her, It's but it's a very Tim Burton character, and it's not actually... Because I'm watching that movie, and I'm like, this doesn't feel like Catwoman. It feels it's, like a Tim Burtonized version of who also has powers for some reason, and is also fucking insane. Pardon my French, but... Well, if we actually watch Catwoman, the 2004 movie, we actually get an explanation why she has powers. But again, we, but she's never had powers before in the comics. This is the point. And again, oh. another Catwoman movie that doesn't do the character justice as well, unfortunately. Yeah, sadly. So this is like, this is great to actually see a version of Catwoman on screen that is done justice, that is portrayed beautifully. As from what we've expected in from what we've seen in the comics and who embodies that character perfectly, to be honest. If there is a Catwoman that actually does feel like 
And I'm just talking for live action. Animations, yeah. of course, are a different story. Yeah, animation. Like the only the only comparison I can make with Catwoman in this movie is basically the Catwoman in the animated series, mm-hmm. where she actually does feel like sort of like the same character. Mm-hmm. But going more into the the, the supporting cast, I, again, Penguin was amazing. Alfred was mm-hmm. even amazing because I didn't because I when I heard Andy Circus was going to be playing. Uh, Sorry, Andy Sick uh, is a circus or circus? I think it's uh, circus. I think yeah, it's circus. I, I just say circus because it just makes it, it just looks like it when you. Yeah, can, you know. uh, but when I heard it was playing Alfred, I was like, oh, man. it was like I really hope this isn't a wasted role. But it, like he comes on the movie and he just carries the uh, the scenes he has with Patterson because he actually does feel like he's Alfred with exactly. Uh, Jim Go- uh, Jeffrey Wright's. Can we just give it a, 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 a little round of applause of, of, of not only Jeffrey Wright as Gordon, but also the, the the year he has the year he has had in movies where he's like or in entertainment where he's just like last year he was the Watcher, which was an amazing role to have. Mm-hmm. He closed his uh, he closed out his role as Felix in um, No Time to Die. Then he has. Jim Gordon, and I just kind of like, I and not to mention he is the standout of Westworld. Oh, of course. Like and anyone who watches that show has consistently said he is one of the best parts of it. I still need to watch that show too, and I love westerns. So, <laughs> and I know it isn't a western show, but and it's set in a backdrop of a western. I just haven't had time to watch it yet because I had so much time. I have so like I literally have so much. So much movies I have to watch. I have to watch shows and movies. There we go. Shows, movies. Yeah, it's just too much. Yeah, exactly. That's always a problem. There's always going to be so much stuff and then never enough time, usually. And it's, I have all this, and I'm slowly starting to get back to that now. And, uh, uh, like, I'm slowly finishing The Bad Batch. And The Bad Batch is an amazing show, and I probably have to go and watch Rebels after this because I need to know. I feel like if I don't watch Rebels, I don't know who half of these characters feel like. But it definitely gets better after the first like season. Yeah, uh, Rebels or Re- yeah, Star Wars Rebels. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Anyway, uh, different kind of conversation. Um, we're trying to roll it along, uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Colin Farrell's been, yeah, Colin Farrell, fantastic. He is literally a show stealer every time he shows up on screen. Whoa, take it easy. Like the moment he goes, like whoa, take it easy. Yeah. The moment, he, <laughs> the moment, like the moment he said that, I'm just like, I'm just trying not to crack, to crack up. And then mm-hmm. you could just tell he is like, he's just relishing just the time he has uh, as the penguin because he's just mm-hmm. like, my God, it's like he, he's like the character of the penguin, Oz. He's just normally a. Oh, you know, a guy. Also, that, also that fact too, like you, you just said, Oz. It's the fact that he purposely tries to like make sure everyone calls him Oz because he just clearly hates being called the Penguin. Yeah, and it just—it's like characterized. The Penguin has always just been like this very short, disfigured person, or disfigured person who just happens to have a head or some features like a penguin. But here, you know. He has like the the face of of the character, right? But he mm-hmm. just makes the character all by itself, and he just makes everything just makes a lot of it just just chef's kiss. Just where he's just mm-hmm. like he just you just feel like he's like 
he still has the energy he he played with um Daredevil like 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 close to thirty years ago thirty years ago. Twenty years ago. Oh yeah, like that oh yeah, bullseye. Oh my god. It's like you could tell like whenever Colin Farrell was playing a villainous character, he was just gotta bring his A game. Just no, no matter what, even if the character is an anti-hero like uh, Catwoman, like like I forgot to mention, like Catwoman's a great anti-hero, but they really don't play the hell anti-hero like factor that much because she's still weighing her own options. She hasn't really crossed that line that Catwoman has in the past, where she does play that like she does stroll along that line. Well, no, she well they already kind of have that though because it's like she is always a character who like yeah she'll help she'll help out sometimes, but then. At the end of the day, she is going to go do her own thing. Yeah. Like, that's and, kind of always been who her character more or less is. I mean, there have been some... I mean, of course, there's some stories where she does date Batman for a while, so she'll be around and more, helping out more. But generally, she is someone who is very independent, who doesn't need someone, you know, to protect her. Course, so she will go do her own thing. And, of course, I can't really talk much about another spoiler character because they're only on screen for, like, maybe a minute. But that minute really does feel like, oh, I really hope that character does come back as basically a random character that you just kind of see in the background. Yeah. That just gives off their, like, opinions and whatnot rather than just being a full fo- – because if that mm-hmm. character does come onto screen, they're going to be a soul stealer, right? But yeah. just there for, like, maybe a minute or two just to give their opinions on, like, say, the current events on, like, saying, oh, yeah, you know – uh you know, Mr. Freeze is, is attacking Gotham, and you know Batman has to go and talk to this person yet again. You know, have that mm-hmm. character just appear on that on that thing as sort of like as a as a cameo, but still treated as sort of like a, as a cameo where it is a memorable cameo. Mm-hmm. But like like he, like he could be the one person who knows everything going on in Arkham. Yeah. So so Batman will go to him, but he purposely doesn't actually say anything to anyone else about it. Because he because he knows that if he does, then Batman will just go to them. Because no, he wants Batman's attention for himself, kind of yeah. thing. But I do hope. I, like I can like also I can really imagine just a great line where you're saying Mr. Freeze too, being like, "What's wrong? Are are you getting the cold shoulder?" But or just yeah. something to that effect. But I do hope they do keep that character as a um, background related character, treat more alone cameo round because. The character itself, it will be a soul stealer, but at the same time, you don't want to have that character be the one that essentially negates the spotlight off the other characters. Because, mm-hmm. you know, if you have, like, say, that character, Mr. Freeze, uh, Poison Ivy. Or Bane, even. Bane. Which of those four characters would be more... Memorable, it'll be that character. So yeah, I can't really talk about more about their character. Other people might know who we're talking about, but you know, yeah. I mean, it's comic, so you kind of figure out. You kind of figure out. You know, yeah, you, I mean, you watch that scene. You read the lines, people. Yeah, you watch that scene. You do kind of get the idea pretty clear what they're going to be going for with that. And like you're saying too, like I do hope they kind of keep him as a cameo, especially for the second movie. Yeah. But maybe slowly kind of build him in of just a little more than just like a one scene character for that for the second movie, and then. For the third movie, I feel like that could be a great way to kind of bring us this, like, this full-fledged character. Like, really put him into the spotlight for that third movie. And speaking of spotlight, let's talk about theater. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm, I'm just I'm just giving you these great segues today. Yes, it's a it's a great way to. Uh, I mean, it's not it's not a spotlight in theater. They call it a a, a special. Yeah, it's called a special. I mean, it's not necessarily a spotlight. I mean, I mean technically, they kind of ref- it's it's something that has just been generally by the public referred to as spotlight anyway. So, but in uh, theater terms, it's called a special. But anyway, uh, so yeah, uh, we are all done with Batman. I'm sorry for 50 minutes of just talking about Batman stuff or 45 minutes of it, but yeah, it's. We just need to talk about Batman, you know. It, yeah, it, it's a great, it's a great movie. Go see it on an IMAX screen. You have to see it on the best screen possible I to mean, really appreciate the beautiful cinematography. Hayden, for the past couple of months or so, has been putting backgrounds of this, like this Batman-related uh, background. So now that March is done, I just hope that he goes into a normal background again and actually does this show normally. I don't have like. <laughs> Oh, wait. Uh, anyway, uh, so yeah, theater. So yeah, I'll, I'll, ch- I'll change it for next week. Thank you. You're welcome. He says, um, oh, sarcastic. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, uh, but yeah, uh, theater wise, we got a couple of, uh, theaters, uh, theater news coming, coming out in both Broadway. Um, mm-hmm. for starters, starting next month, there is a big casting news. Uh, playing uh, Roxy Hart on the uh, musical Chicago. The musical Chicago, which is still going around, like, closest, what was it, um, 95? So, almost 30 years on Broadway. I'm at, well, 95, maybe, it came up, it may have been on, maybe either 96 or 97, I can't remember. But Pamela Anderson is coming to Broadway to play Roxy Hart. Uh, I don't know. At first, when I read it yesterday, I, I I thought someone was just making fun of the fact that it, in, in the next story I'll talk about is that Daniel Radcliffe is going on, you know, going off Broadway to perform "Merry as We Go Along." But when I read that, I was like, oh, you know, Radcliffe is going to be off Broadway. That's fun. But someone wrote, someone was joking that, oh, Pamela Anderson is doing Chicago. I was like, I actually thought someone was actually joking about that. But sure enough, she actually is going to be on Chicago starting next month in a uh, dream role of hers to play Roxy Hart. You know, you know, no uh, shade about that. But it's if you play a dream role, that's fun. You know, I, you know, if I had a singing talent, I would love to be on Broadway to playing. Um, Playing someone on Phantom of the Opera, not as Phantom, but maybe as Phantom Raoul or someone on Phantom of the Opera. But but yeah, if you have a dream role and you just and you do want to do that, you know, do like chase after that dream. Mm-hmm. But again, this is also Pamela Anderson, so and Pamela Anderson has been you know recently in the news with the not not well both. A Hulu miniseries that documented both her and Tommy Lee's, you know, uh, crazy relationship back in the 90s, as, as well as their, you know, sex tape. Mm-hmm. But also the fact that she was trying, I think she's also suing Hulu for basically making that show without her, like, without her stamp of approval. But mm-hmm. it, it's definitely, I mean, in terms of Chicago, it does actually feel kind of casting wise. Pretty good casting in terms of what the character Roxy Hart is. Roxy Hart, is, if I remember correctly, is a very almost like very Valley Girl esque type of role where she doesn't feel like 
she's more more known for her beauty than she is for her brains. So if you catch the actress who is known more about her beauty and her mm-hmm. looks compared to anything else, you get that sensation of okay, they casted they casted well with that. But mm-hmm. the only thing I don't know how they got to do is I never actually seen or actually heard her sing before. Mm-hmm. And Roxy Hart is a well, she's a singing part, so. And I mean, after all, it's a musical, and yeah. clearly, it's you know a big role in the musical. This yeah. is her dream role, so yeah, I would I imagine. Mean, I, but in terms of like, I'm kind of like confused on. I mean, obviously, this is obviously you know stunt casting, and stunt casting has been around in a, you know a long time in terms of both film, TV, theater, especially. But I'm curious to see how she does, but at the same time, I'm just curious to see how well she does as with this role. Mm-hmm. Specifically, it is, specifically, it is Chicago. And the last time mm-hmm. I remember Chicago being in the headlines was probably maybe 10, 15 years ago when, uh, oh, no, no, that, that was Ca- Cabaret, sorry. <laughs> another, another C musical. <laughs> musical with a C in, in its name, so yeah. But yeah, Hayden, what do you think? I mean, honestly, I'm not much of a musical person, so I can't have much to offer, but I did see something floating around on social media where apparently there was actually another actress who was supposed to play that role of Roxy, hmm. but essentially got booted so they could get Pamela Anderson to play that role instead. Oh, really? And, 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 and all I'm thinking is clearly they did this because Pamela Anderson is a big-name actress, Yeah. and the per- person they originally had, I believe, wasn't... You know, not like wasn't the way wasn't at the same level Pamela Anderson is. So, and problem is, I tried to quickly find the, uh, an article on it, but I haven't been able to re- like find it again since I forgot to save it or yeah. save the post that was shared about it. So it is one of those things. Sort of like it is. It does feel like they like great to dream role, pursue your dream roles, get them if you can. But at the same time, it does feel like this was a decision made by. Um, I don't know if it was the theater or the whoever was in charge for the show for the casting, whatever was like, you know, we're going to go with this person because we need a big name because it's, you know, theaters have been just getting wrecked because of COVID. Oh yeah. The past like two years. So I feel like this is also their way of being like, okay, we get this big name actress to lead this show and that's going to help also bring people in seats because they're going to want to see this actress. Because it's it's a big name. Oh yeah, and so I feel like that's also a lot. I feel like that's also playing a factor into Pamela Anderson getting that role. From th- that's just my hot take on it. Yeah, honestly, you know, and Chicago is a long running theater thing, and, and she's only going to be on Broadway for like maybe according i think she said it was from like april 12th to at least july 3rd mm-hmm. not july um june 3rd or 2nd around that era so she's only gonna be on broadway for at least you know a month and a half especially mm-hmm. with performances wise and she's only gonna be like and you probably they're probably not gonna i mean they are probably gonna be using it as much as, as she could probably maybe towards the weekend so mm-hmm. especially you know I don't know if she'd probably be doing a matinee show, you know, it's like, but if it's a role, but anyway, yeah, it definitely feels like, like, 
I'm more along the lines of a curious thing to see how well she does because mm-hmm. it does well, great for her. But if this, but I do agree that, yeah, obviously theaters are they actually do need to uh, get people back to, into uh, just get back into people seeing shows. And you know, I'm an usher, right? I work as an usher, and a lot of the places I've been to have been selling out like regularly. So mm-hmm. you could tell people want to go back to uh, theater, like mm-hmm. theater environments. You know, live, live performances really are the heart and soul of New York entertainment. Mm-hmm. Like, especially if it's a concert, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, but on Broadway, it's definitely one of those things where it's just like, it's Broadway, how well does things work on Broadway without being um, uh, criticized and scrutinized? There we go. Mm-hmm. I think that's what my point was going to be. Uh, but yeah, mm-hmm. it definitely feels like it's probably going to be a uh, maybe a hit or miss performance, but I'm mm-hmm. actually just quite curious to see how well she does or mm-hmm. how strong she comes off with uh, both singing and dancing and just overall, like, just overall her performances thing because as you because as you said or as we pointed out Roxy Hart is the main character she sings mm-hmm. she dances and you know that's essentially a main character position for an entire performance mm-hmm. you know outside of the fact that when uh, if she's off stage you know game you know if she's not on off stage not you know not on stage or whatever Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, going into our next story, that in terms of theater, uh, the New York Theater Workshop, which famously did Rent and other you know great uh, plays over the years, is doing a rendition, not rendition, uh, a revival of Mary we go Mary we Mary. Blah. Mary Lee, we go around. I know it's a little tongue-tied of a, of a uh, word there. It's not a musical starring Dan- uh, with uh, Daniel Radcliffe, and I was actually more surprised to see that because the last time I, you know, I heard Daniel Radcliffe was on Broadway was years ago, where he basically uh, did things with a horse. So you know, it's <laughs> the, the, the less said about that, the better. But. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, there's someone who's had an interesting career since Harry Potter. Yeah. There there was, like, one movie he did where he literally, the whole premise of it was he got, like, two pistols, like, taped to his hands, like, or or nailed into his hands almost, too. There's there's another movie where he literally played a dead body with, again, with uh, Paul Dano, who played the Joker in uh, The Batman, just to, again, uh, to wrap it up. Wait, Paul Dano didn't play Joker in The Batman? I mean, not the Joker. uh, (laughs) Riddler. Riddler. Sorry, Joker, Riddler. All, all these, there's a lot of Batman characters in, not in the movie, but in, in the Batman comics that have the in their name. So the Bat, I mean, like the Batman, the Joker, the Killer Moth, the Riddler, the the Trigger uh, Trigger Twins, uh, the Valensky Brothers. See what I mean? But yeah, uh, <laughs> Daniel Radcliffe. Plays a dead body in a movie where he did with in uh, with Paul Dano, where he literally just plays a dead body. And uh, although it's like we're kind of like not sure if he is a dead body, if he's like Paul Dano's mind is just breaking because he's like trapped on an island. 
And, you know, even before that, a couple of years before that, Radcliffe plays a great turn as being a demon in a movie called Horns, where in the movie, he basically has like two horns coming out of his whole head. And as the movie is rolling around, his horns just get more and more demonic. He's becoming more and more demonic as himself. And there's a great like physical makeup towards the end where he actually does feel like, oh, this, you know, that's less Daniel Radcliffe. And that's more like this guy's really embodying, you know, embodying himself in a uh, more physical role underneath makeup. And of course, you know, Radcliffe did a great movie with uh, Adam Driver, like, what was that? I think almost 10 years ago, where if people were always wondering where this sound clip or cue came from, where Adam Driver goes, I just had sex. I'm about to eat nachos. This is the greatest day of my life. It comes from that movie with him. And Daniel Radcliffe before was talking about having a relationship with, uh, uh, with driver's character's sister. So, so yes, from a Harry Potter post standpoint, Radcliffe has range. <laughs> like he, he doesn't really care. Like, I mean, he cares, but he doesn't really care like what type of role he's playing as long as he's having fun. Because exactly. I, I don't think he wants to be like that that type of uh, actor who will just play the same role mm-hmm. over and over and over until typecasting doesn't really want him anymore, and mm-hmm. he's just and they're basically just uh, living off residual checks, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, it, you know. It, it, I'm just surprised that, you know, Rack, and, and this is another thing where it's just like, Mary, we go around, roll around, but anyway, the music, it's a musical, so I'm curious to see how well he does as a singer, because I don't mm-hmm. think I've heard him sing at all in one of these movies, or, or sing at all. So it definitely feels like it's a outside the box type of uh, situation. Or, I mean, outside the box uh, acting situation where he's not going to be in his comfort zone, but he's still in theater. So, yeah. So, as as someone who has been watching his career, like, what are your thoughts? Well, I mean, it's just kind of like you said, you know, it's like he doesn't care what the role is because he just wants to, like, play these roles because he knows he's going to have fun with them. And like you said, he just, it's clear he doesn't want to just be, you know, Oh, I'm just the Harry Potter guy for, you know, the rest of his life. So, and, yeah, I, I, yeah, just like, you know, good on him. That's, yeah, all, I, that's all I really, because I don't know the musical and I don't know if he can sing or not, so I don't have much to really offer on that. Well, the New York Workshop Theater is a good place. I've been there. Well, I haven't been there, but I've passed by it a few times when I was in, uh, in um, lower the Lower East Side because I used to uh, do a couple of performances as an usher for La Mamba. And La Mamba, like, literally is right across from where the New York Theater Workshop is, um, you know, among other places, as two in terms of the Lower East Side. And it was a Lower, lower East Village. One of the two. Mm-hmm. When it comes to New York terms, when you say Lower East Side, it's like, there's like two terms. There's like the lower west side and the lower east side, and the lower east side as well as the lower west side has like a lot of other neighborhoods. So I, I think it's probably the East Village or one of those two. But mm-hmm. it, 
by this point, it's like it all just comes. Honestly, after all this time, it all just comes apart as being this. It's just like the same neighborhood for me. <laughs> I'm sorry, as a lifelong New Yorker, if I'm in, I'm in. If I'm down in Lower Manhattan, and if I'm along Lower East Manhattan, I'm just like, yeah, it's Lower Manhattan. I know where to go. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah like that's yeah, just it. Downtown. It's all downtown. Yeah, it's all downtown. You it's know, all it's one big downtown. Yeah, it's lower west side for me, lower east side for me, depending on where I'm at. Depending on where I'm at. Uh, but yeah, New York Workshop Theater, amazing place, uh, especially if you're trying to be like a uh, because they have programs for if you want to be uh, like uh, they have programs if you want to be like a um, uh, writer, director, that sort of thing. They have programs where you can actually submit to submit and actually be like a part of that program and see how well they could do um, as a uh, trainee, essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, uh, but to end this episode with some actually pretty great news is that James Earl Jones has had a theater renamed in his honor. So formerly the uh, Court Theater which is, I believe, on Broadway and between 6th and Broadway, I believe, or, yeah, 6th and Broadway and, I believe, 48th Street or 47th Street, around that area. Yeah, 48th Street. Uh, yeah, 48th Street, because once you're walking towards, uh, because it's more closer towards, like, the uh, the, um, the pinnacle of what Times Square is. Mm-hmm. And then... Once you hit like 50th Street, that's basically Times Square, like that. That's the end of Times Square. But between 50, 54th Street, no, no, 45th Street and 50th Street, that's basically Times Square, yeah. more or less. Pretty but, much, yeah. And yeah, the, the court, uh, the court street, the court theater, famous theater. It actually had been uh, a place where James L. Jones has, you know, acted before, specifically in in fences. And I think other I, I'm not sure if it was fence, his fences, but it was definitely a place where fences was, you know, portrayed mm-hmm. up formed. But it basically ha- but he basically has a history with that place. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and I've been to that play, theater a few times, not as a guest, but, you know, as uh, one of my former jobs had had me staying outside for that theater to get people to go into that theater to get their tickets. But. That theater itself, it looks pretty nice on the outside, and you know it may be in the middle of the block. Well, all theaters are in the middle of the block somewhere. It's not really <laughs> pretty like, much, yeah. Yeah, not. It's not like you're like it's not like the the Winter Garden where it's like it's on the corner of someplace. Like the Winter Garden is like the Winter well, Garden is like literally the only theater I know that isn't in the middle of a block. I mean, it is in the middle of a block, but it's actually on the outside of a block where it's like. It's not between blocks. That's what I'm trying to say. A lot yeah. of theaters are in the middle between blocks. So, yeah. It, yeah, I just can't wait to see uh, what shows that they have in the future at the James L. Jones Theater. Although I do, uh, although someone was actually joking, I think it was on Reddit, where they kind of, they kind of hoped that James O. Jones would do like the opening announcements of like, please do not use your cell phone and all that stuff. But also just like, kind of like say, please do not use your cell phone or I will fund you and force choke you <laughs> like sort of like that. But yeah. Or 
do something related to um, the Lion King, even though it's not really the place where the Lion King is, but it is a throwaway, so Lion King won't run. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I feel like Lion King themselves would probably ask them to do that if that was the case. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I honestly, it's honestly a great honor, and his thing was James L. Jones has been uh, acting since the 1960s, mm-hmm. or maybe the 50s, I think. But he's been around for all of for many years. Yeah, so like, like he's been acting for like I think half a century. Yeah, and you know, just to like and how many people that you do you know in your lifetime have gotten places like named after them? That's that's like especially Billings itself. Mm-hmm. And I was like I can't really think of any anybody, you know, offhand outside of like people being memorialized on like say streets. Mm-hmm. But this is like a, a theater that's already, you know, that's already <coughs> been around for, like, say, probably as long as he is, just renaming the theater to become the James Earl Jones Theater. So, yeah. Um, congratulations, Shane, for uh, Mr. Jones for uh, getting a theater named after you. So, yeah. Uh, I know we kind of, like, rushed through a couple of those stories, but... After, you know, talking about the Batman for, like, 50 minutes, like, <laughs> I was kind of, like, trying to, like, not to go more and more into the detail about that, but mm-hmm. honestly, the, this summer, especially for Broadway, I honestly can't wait to see how Broadway does for the summer, because by the time June rolls around, that's when I feel like Broadway has got to, like, reopen once, especially with the Tonys. Like, mm-hmm. once they do the Tonys and stuff like that, too, it's, like... I feel like that's when a lot more of the craziness of Broadway is going to, like, come out and just, like, that's when a lot, like, that's when people could probably got to say, that is when, that's when people could say, oh, Broadway is back. After a long mm-hmm. time, this Broadway is finally back. Yeah, definitely. <sighs> and on that note, I think after a two-week hiatus, no, no, after a week hiatus, we're back, but we may have another week off, I'm not sure. Uh, maybe not, I'm not sure. It depends on my schedule. I mean, I, I mean, the schedule in terms of actually performing my other show. So, as I say, in the past, previously, I also perform. I also do uh, call time, which is my primarily thing, and I've been getting a couple of guests recently. So, nice. I'm trying to. I'm trying to um, get these episodes of those, you know, uh, edited down and then released into the interweb. So yeah, uh, Hayden. Uh, any last words? Like I was saying before, go see the Batman on an IMAX screen. It is worth it, and have a great day, everyone. I should have said any parting... I can't say any last words, final thoughts, parting words without sounding very, like, any last words? Like, that sort of... (laughs) Like a villain. It's like I pull out a cigarette, like, and then I say my last words, I'm like, okay, I'm ready. Blindfold me. (laughs) No, 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 but yeah, uh... If you have the if you have the time to go see the Batman, please do. Uh, it's a great movie. If you have time, if you are in New York City, if you have time to go see a Broadway show, please go and support the arts. You know, just go and support the arts, and uh, yeah, just please be well, be safe, be happy, and uh, be well. Take care, everybody, and peace. <laughs>